my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of HR Sound Off, hosted by the one and only Julie Turney. Now, in case you're wondering, don't adjust your volume, don't adjust anything. The accent is a different accent, but I promise you, I'm going to explain why. This is not Julie's accent, because we know she got that Bayesian flair. (laughs) But this one is Jamaican, and that's because this is a takeover of HR Sound Off. I am so privileged and so pleased to be in the sound booth with you guys today. I am Dr. Terry Carroll reed and I am a friend of Julie, and I get the chance to interview the interviewer. How about that? Julie, welcome to Well Your Show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. You I love beautiful. it. I mean, for persons who will hopefully get to see the, the video, you look mm-hmm. absolutely stunning. Thank you. Congratulations. I mean, I don't even know where to start. Thank you. But But let me start with your um, HR origin story. I mean, you decided to have your podcast because you wanted to really niche down. You want to help HR professionals. You've been an HR professional for such a long time and you saw cracks and gaps and places that you could really offer a lot of value. So tell me, this is a question you always ask your guests, but I'm asking you the questions. I know. Tell me your HR origin story. You know, it's so funny that you said that, Terry, because I am so used to being the interviewer. Having the tables reversed is a bit nerve-wracking. This is what I do to my guests. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry, guys. All of you. <laughs> I must say, I'm really excited to, to have you here. And I thank you for saying yes before we go, before you go any further, because you are a very, 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 very busy person. And I know we both are very busy, but the fact that you said yes to do this for me, I appreciate you. I love you so much. Thank you very much. Number one. I am celebrating your wins and we want to change the narrative. We no longer want persons to to think that women don't support women or that Mm -hmm. women don't want to see other women win. Uh, We are are Caribbean women, we're Mm -hmm. island women, we're black Mm -hmm. women. And I think um, there's no way you could be celebrating this amazing or many milestones. And I'm not like right behind you cheerleading. Thank you. You know, I appreciate it so much. And the other great thing about this is this is episode 60. Zero. Wow. Talk about consistency. Julie, I know I asked your question early, but did you ever see this as in if somebody had told you a couple of years ago that you'd be um, a podcast host and that you would have been able to amass 60 episodes, what would you have told them? I would have laughed. I would have laughed and I'd probably be holding my head in being the introvert that I am. I'd be like me talking to 60 people, having these kind of conversations. No way. Mm-mm, not me. Somebody else. Like I could think of a thousand well, not necessarily a thousand, but I could think of quite a few people who are more eloquent, who are more socially positioned than I am to do this. Because at the end of the day, I just, like I I always say, I am the latchkey girl from Manchester, UK, (laughs) living in Barbados, Mm -hmm. um, trying to just, you know, be a mom of three, be a good wife, just be a good person all around. And I would have never expected any of this like never in a thousand years would I have expected any of this well we're so happy that you decided to bet on yourself and because um I think it was Tyler Perry who said it best where he said there's so many people's dreams that are Mm -hmm. attached to you and sometimes when you allow yourself to be great and when you give yourself permission to actually show that you are so much more than even you thought you 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 were you find that in the process you influence and you impact so many other persons and you hereby give other persons permission to dream and do yeah. as well. So, I mean, um, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm so happy. So going back to the original, original question, question. 
my HR origin story. Yes, ma'am. Yes, let's do this. So I started in HR 15 years ago. And originally, I got into HR as a result of being terminated. I was terminated at the age of 23. And I was pregnant with my first child. I didn't know that terminating someone while they were pregnant was illegal. Um, I just knew that it didn't sit well with me and I didn't like the way that I was treated. And I was frustrated that I didn't know where to go or what to do as a result of it. Hold on, um, hold on. You, you can't just run through your story like that. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> you know, I, I, I heard all the words coming on your mind. And I'm going, what? So someone's pregnant and you terminate them and they're you like, was there, mm-hmm. uh, well, on their side, you yeah. know, HR tends to justify a lot of the things that they do. What was their justification? And, and looking back, do you think it was a valid one or were they just out of pocket? I was not terminated by HR. I wasn't, I never saw an H. We never had at that time in that organization, there was no HR representation. I was terminated by my manager. Um, And essentially because I started my career in sales and marketing and I fast realized that I didn't like sales or marketing. I just (laughs) loved, I just loved people. Like I loved people. My, I I started my career selling cash registers and scales, you know, the scales that you weigh stuff on. So that was my portfolio, cash registers and sales. And that started my passion for tech. Um, just being able to program cash registers and see what worked behind the scenes. And that's how I got into computers and tech. And um, which is another passion of mine. We'll talk about that another time. Um, But yeah, I was not terminated by HR. I was brought into the office by my manager. Obviously, as my pregnancy progressed, I got slower. Um, It was harder to get outside and move around and make sales. And I was given... Yeah. And I was given, I was given an ultimatum essentially, which was, you know, um, this isn't, this isn't working out. You're not making your quota. It's been a couple of months since you've made your quota. You know, you have the option to resign or we'll have to let you go. That's what I got. And I got it from a manager. It was not from, there was no HR. There was no calling me in a boardroom, nothing. There was no conversation about my performance two months prior nothing like that. I had already raised concerns to my manager about not feeling, not feeling the role, you know, Mm -hmm. wanting to do something else and seeing that there were other things happening in the organization and asking if I could be positioned for something else like that. And I never got a positive response. And then, you know, at that time, it was like the late 1990s. So it was like 1998. And there was no real performance review or any kind of conversation, but just how all of it played out did not sit very well with me at all. Right, so what happened? So I resigned because I didn't want to have the smear of being terminated on me, but I I knew in my heart of hearts, I was terminated. Like, and I wasn't given anything, right? And two months after that, I have my son. And... I started this journey of how do I find out, you know, if I'm in a situation like this ever again, where do I go? Because it can't, this can't work. Like it, it, in, as my dad would say, it can't go on. So I had to find a way um, to figure out how this would, how this would go up, how this would play out going forward. And I'm sure somebody like you who loves um, not just people, but understanding the role that you've played in HR, mm-hmm. you would have wanted to even imagine how other persons might have been um, dealt with, you know, in the different industries, the different fields. And just like you not knowing who to turn to or where to get um, support, if any at all. Yeah. yeah. And so you're absolutely right. I, I took a, a one year break. I wanted to be with my son. Um, for his first year of life Mm -hmm. so I took a one-year break and I kind of started dabbling with entrepreneurship um, from then and liked what I was doing but what I was doing obviously you know you're I was young I was still in my 20s the money wasn't coming fast enough as far as I was concerned as a young person Mm -hmm. and so I went back into the world of work after my son turned one and I ended up going 
and I don't mean to cut you. Did uh-huh. you know where you were going now? Because you know, for some people, and I mean, you probably come across them a lot because you're in HR. Mm-hmm. You know, you started off doing one thing that you you weren't too. You know, okay, you realize okay, this is not really me. You take the hiatus, you take the year to take care of your son. You're not going back or, you know, you're going back into um, the, the working world. Do you go back knowing exactly what you want to do? Or are you still tentative about, you know, what your real passion yeah. is? I just knew that I wanted to be connected to people. So I knew that whatever role I did going forward had to be roles where I was able to interact with people. I still, at that time, had not discovered HR, per se. Mm -hmm. Um, I took some jobs in what what we would call our government system. And I ended up working in our court, um, our our legal courts, um, issuing... Uh, warrants and things like that I actually worked in our registry department issuing birth certificates and death certificates I learned that process I learned however that that was not the place for me either because some government workers don't like the fact that as a young person you work faster than them and I got to the point where people would come to me and go yo attorney you're working too fast man yeah like you have a pile of certificates that you're supposed to do and it's supposed to last you the week and I'm doing it in a day I mean I know this is like about HR but what is it about government places I mean I, I don't know if it's a Western thing it's a very regional thing but you know you expect to go and wait forever yes it's not one of the places that you think of efficiency so naturally I can understand coming in and disrupting yes it was a problem it was a problem but that still wasn't your dream that still still wasn't still wasn't my dream still wasn't my passion fast forward to five years later and I'm pregnant with baby number two and I start this temporary job at a place called Center for Management and Development. It was a part of the University of the West Indies that did um, adult education. So they focus on the diplomas and the masters and the international masters in management and HR and public sector management. And I met five, the organization at the time when I got there was run by five women, Dr. Janine Kama. Dr. Ann Wallace, Marjorie Wharton, Sonia Gartside, and Kim Tudor. And those five women changed my life forever. Wow. Just watching how they, how they ran the organization, how they lifted each other. And even though, you know, as women working together, there would have been some moments of discomfort or whatever, um they were were amazing they were amazing and I learned a lot about administration of academic programs and working with um lecturers and buying books and you know marketing the programs but what I also learned was the the passion I had for teaching and one day based on my interactions with students over a couple couple years Kim came to me and she said, Julie, do you, you know, we were having a conversation and she said, Julie, you know, you're really good at interacting with people. Have you ever thought about getting into HR? And I was like, HR? Like, I know we teach the course, but I never, ever thought about dabbling in HR in human resources. Never thought about it. until Yeah, she dropped the seed and she clearly saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And from the moment that she planted that seed, I started this journey of experimenting and dabbling and looking and researching into what this thing called HR really was. And for the most part, what I liked intrigued me, but there was another part of it that I did not like, which is it seemed very policy driven, very paper driven. And I, am, I have always been people driven. So, Hold on, but you jump in my mind, but that, that's going to be one of my questions. Man, you see, this is what happens when you accustomed to be the interviewer. This is, this is really what happens in a whole on. So, was the name of the lady who, who actually planted the seed? Yes, Kim, Kim Tudor. Kim Tudor. Kim Tudor planted that seed. And so, you took that seed and you basically mm-hmm. ran. Yes. Dive and yes. Yes. What, what? And what was that process like uh, formalizing it? Because sometimes people, mm-hmm. you know, people see something, as you rightly said, yeah. you know, 
will always see, but we don't always take it on. Or no. Maybe in it, but we don't take it seriously. Exactly. Exactly. So was that process an easy one? You know, diving deeper and deciding that this is definitely what I want to do. Definitely not. Because when I first started to study, when I first started my studies in HR, I had two children, two small children. So Ricardo was five, Joshua was just a couple months when I first started to actually study. And by the time Joshua was like close to 18 months, I found out I was pregnant with baby number three, which would be Jasmine. And so here I am starting to study my studies in human resources. And actually, this all happened about a year after I left CMB, after I left UE. I actually took another job um, with an offshore company as their like receptionist slash office manager and ended up be talking about opening up this position of HR because there was no HR with the company. So that's how I ended up taking on the studies. And um, they paid for me to go and learn H human resources. I got my diploma in human resources management through them. I'm very grateful for that too. But I was that's young. Amazing and had two children heading for baby number three and studying. It was not easy. Despite having a, a, a good support system because I had a good support system. My mom was very supportive. My husband was um, supportive. My mother-in-law was supportive in terms of taking care of the children. If I had late classes, you know, oh, that's I had that's a good support system. I have to say that. In fact, you said that you've been married for 24 years and, mm -hmm. you know, by the sounds of the baby making, I think you make your husband very happy. Let me just drop that to you. Let me, let me, let's, let's get over that. <laughs> but you bring it up. Something before I move to, to the, the next question, but something mm -hmm. that you really stands out is, yes, you were young. And yes, you still would have been very inexperienced in terms of the HR profession, but what was it that made, and you did say you're an introvert, yeah. but what made you brave enough, confident enough to recognize not only that there is a gap or there was an area that you believe the company was really just very weak in and to speak up, to say, hey, you really have a leak here. I have a, a solution and you know, I'd even be willing to step into that role, even though you may not have been ready. Yeah. What level of confidence slash delusional, you know, some people might have thought it was, yes. some people said shooting your shot. Mm -hmm. How would you do that at, at that age, at that time when you were ready? I have to say that ultimately I had a great foundation in my life through I have a family of very strong women. My mother is a very strong woman. My grandmother, and I was ultimately raised by my mother and my grandmother. Uh, I'm a grandmother's girl. My grandmother is very sassy. She was very confident. And, you know, she would always say to me, you know, you have to ask questions. You know, teachers get paid money. We pay our taxes for teachers. So you got to ask them questions to make my tax dollars worth it. Right. My grandmother would always say that, you know, if you're going to the bank and you're going to put your money in there, you know, your money is going to make is going to help them make more money. Therefore, if you got a question, ask it, you know, and my grandmother always instilled in me this. Never be afraid to ask questions. The worst thing someone can say to you is no. And at the end of the day, is that really the worst thing someone can say to you? And as children, we always ask questions and we we didn't care about no's as children. We only start to care about no's when we become adults. That's when we start to care about no's. But if we adopt that same mentality that we had as children, even a no would not knock us off our, our goal or wherever it is that we're, we're aiming to go. So I think my mom and my grandmother, first and foremost, my dad as well. I always asked my dad, my dad always allowed us to ask questions. He always knew when something was wrong, whether you said it or you didn't say it. He knew his children well enough to know. And he would always say, ask questions. I, I've always been around. I've always been 
blessed and privileged to have family that was always willing to care and always willing to be open to allow you to ask questions and answer them. And so we're moving into HR and you yeah. find extremely passionate about it. Mm-hmm. You did speak about it and you said, but there are things that you identify that work. So tell me the things that made you say, yes, I am in the right place. This is where I'm supposed to be. Why did it take so long to find it? Mm-hmm. Also coming to the realization that even when you found the right place, you realize that it's not all honey yeah. and milk. Mm-hmm. Good question. Good question. Um, I would say, like I said before, when it comes to HR, there are a lot of things that are great about the profession, but there are a lot of things that we still got a lot of work to do. But when I first entered the HR space, it felt very administrative, very process driven. It was more policy driven. It wasn't people driven. And it was more what I loved. What I loved, even though it was paper driven, was I loved being able to understand the business. I love that it took I never did the same thing every day. So even if one day I was doing benefits, another day I was doing um, writing a contract, preparing to recruit someone, I was discovering the importance of onboarding and how onboarding works and putting right technologies in place and understanding technology. Yeah, it's such a dynamic um, profession. And I quickly learned after entering my first job in a Fortune 500, that's where I got my baptism of fire. That's where I learned that HR can get very messy, um, the politics of it all, um, the people dying, people dying in the job and how you have to translate that to their families terminating people that just make a silly mistake but you know they're really good workers but they've made such a drastic mistake that you can't not you can't just let them continue on that situation I worked in a trading company uh, and we were trading oil gas and oil Um, I learned a lot about the gas and oil industry and I understand even now, like in Barbados, where we're hearing all these conversations about the price, the hike in the price of gas, but I understand it down to its granular level because I've worked in that industry. The frustration that comes with recruiting when you can't recruit your own, it's very painful I see all these jobs floating around, but we have nobody, nobody that we could find locally to hire for these jobs. And we have to hire expats because because they don't have the skill set that we require. So, for example, we struggled for a long time um, hiring people who focused on trading. What we ended up having to do was upskill people who were already in the organization that had a willingness to learn how to trade. But we never hired local traders just so. Because where do you go to learn about trading in Barbados? Like, where? And then, then, like, we struggle to find people to do the marriage. I say, Terry, lend me your ship. So I can bring this product to Barbados. I'm going to borrow your ship today and you'll get your ship back on Friday. Mm-hmm. If, if for God forbid, whatever reason, government, the port, whatever, takes longer to clear that anything past Friday, I now start to accumulate the marriage, which means now I owe you more money because I yes. get the ship back to you when I promised that I was going to get it back to you. And sometimes the marriage can be calculated and crazy. By the way, thanks for that. Because I think right now I'm going to go buy a ship and rent it out to people. Continue. (laughs) So, yeah, um, you know, we ended up having to hire um, people from Trinidad um, and Jamaica to do those jobs because we didn't have people here who knew how to do the marriage. And so while I'm all for Caribbean single market and economy, I just feel like it's also important for 
um, institutions like UE and you know other colleges to recognize the importance of what is missing. Why, when you see all these different jobs happening, you see all these people migrating into your country. Do you stop for a second and ask the question, why is that happening? Mm-hmm. Where is our shortage? Because clearly we are not at the table. How do we get representation at the table? And then do you start to like go to other organizations or institutions outside of the Caribbean and go, how are you teaching this course? I want to bring it to Barbados. Would you like to collaborate with me on bringing this course to Jamaica? Would you bring me a lecturer that I could use to teach this course and offer a certification in this? We don't think that way. No, we don't. And you know, it's it's interesting because I've sat in so many different um fora, you know, uh, and, and seminars and webinars and conferences. And it's very interesting that no matter what the feel is, the topic, the theme, the speakers, presenters, the panelists, you name it, whenever it is a conversation that really has to do with us as a Caribbean per, uh, people being competitive, mm-hmm. understanding that we have so much more going for us, you know, more than the sea, yeah. the sea, and tourism. You know, we've asked ourselves, we've seen our countrymen and women go abroad and they become the first and the best and they're getting accolades. And you wonder, well, why can't we create a hub like how Singapore has done that, India mm-hmm. has done all of these yeah. different And everyone always goes back to education. Mm-hmm. How we teach, how we train, yes. how we even encourage our children to think beyond the typical standard traditional jobs but to really get you know deep yeah. to say hey are the top 10 jobs mm-hmm. that are, are on the rise or we we anticipate that in 2050 these would be the jobs how are we positioning our countrymen and yes. women yes it has always been the question that everyone has asked yes and it's a very pertinent question it's the question i will continue to ask down to this day in my last corporate role I worked with a, a tech company and we had to do the same thing. Is that going to be your second book? I'm just, I'm just, I'm, we're going to get into your first book. But- look, I have a, apparently there's a book two, a book three and a book four. I don't know where that sits, but I have a lot to talk about. And now that one book is out of the stable, 2022, I will be releasing book two for sure. Well, look at you. Well, you know, you did see that you're efficient. Ma, when I grow up, I want to be you, you know, Jules. I want to be you. Stop like. <laughs> I want to do what you do. Um, I think it's, a, I think it's, I think one, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see that you've launched your first book, which we are going to get right into. Mm-hmm. And then to get the feedback, uh, you know, I've always said it to people that feedback is, is necessary it is relevant there's some people who don't like feedback and i don't know why they're always fearful but nothing is nicer than when your audience your niche your target market says this is great and you know what we think you should speak about this and because you realize then that there's a gap that Mm -hmm. you absolutely feel and the fact that you even have a book you know that you've thought of for 2022 i cannot wait but before that book comes the one that you just just dropped you just drop it yeah i dropped it in the month of june and yes. you just it um two weeks ago or was it a week yes. ago? yes two weeks ago already mm-hmm. you dropped it in the month of june which we celebrate um not only as um caribbean heritage month but we also celebrate it as a uh, read yes. caribbean mm-hmm. just Walk me through the process of your getting up one day and saying, you know, this has been my passion, as you said earlier. There are things that I absolutely love because we were able to interact with people, impact people, onboard people who turn out to be managers. And they, mm-hmm. you see the mobility and you see people who maybe weren't ready, but you've seen them really own the different jobs and the roles that you've given them. But you mm-hmm. also see the negative, you yeah. know. In what, was there a particular moment where you said, light bulb, aha, eureka, I'm going to write this book. It's necessary and I'm going to be the one to do it. Yes. So this is a story. (laughs) Stories. We love stories. I am a storyteller. Okay. So two years ago, I watched, first of all, I'm a huge TEDx fan. And two years ago, I watched a TED Talk that was done by 
Lovey Ajay Jones. Love her. Called Get Comfortable with Being Uncomfortable. That TED Talk changed my life. There were a whole bunch of things that I've always wanted to do that I've never even thought about being brave enough to do. Because like I said before, I just think, okay, who am I to even think about doing this? There are other influential, more affluent, more well-spoken people out there than me. Why would I even think I would gain an audience? And so that held me back because Renee Brown would say the story I was telling myself um, was that I wasn't good enough. Like, you know, and Lovey changed my dialogue in one TED Talk. And I started to write a list of all the things that I wanted to do that I was going to achieve between 2019 and 2020. I wrote this list and on this list, I wrote, I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to start my own business. I'm going to get LinkedIn live. (laughs) I'm going to post more on LinkedIn and gain a better audience. And I'm going to become a coach. I, I wrote this list. In December 2019, I started HR Sound Off. And not too long behind that, I started the outline for my book. Now, when I first, like I said, Lovey Ajay Jones is my inspiration for this book, as in giving me permission to write this book. But I wrote this book out of frustration because as an introvert, you know, you sit back, you watch things, how things play out before you say anything, do anything, move a kind of way. Introverts process things differently. And I took to the internet and I started having like speak in my speaking engagements. There were a couple speaking engagements that I did in 20, between 2018 and 2019, where I asked people who were not HR professionals, this one question, describe for me how you feel about your HR person in your organization give me one word that you would use to describe the your hr person now there were lots of good words kind helpful supportive friendly accessible there were all those kind of words were there right but then here come the other words not confidential not trustworthy um inaccessible not nice not approachable You know, all these kind of words started to come up in the different, I use a a program called Mentimeter. So it creates word clouds. So you can allow people to, you can see it all happening in real time. It's confidential. There's no names. It just comes up with the words. And I have, I have those word clouds still to this day. And I promise that I'm going to put them in a LinkedIn post one day. But all these things started to come up. And I started to say to myself, what really is going on in this space now as I started to change my dialogue with how I interacted with people on LinkedIn I also started to see people in my comments talking about not having good experience with HR I started to hear HR professionals talking about not having good experiences within their teams I started to search on Reddit on Twitter on TikTok, which is now my new favorite place. Um, And I saw all these negative comments about HR is not your friend. HR only cares about the business. HR doesn't care about the people. All these things I started to see. It's funny you should say that because uh, one of my closest friends uh, had run-ins, you know, with, with HR, because for me, uh, based on our conversation, he said, you know, you know, HR is a flip-flopper. And, you know, we keep on thinking that HR is there for us, mm-hmm. their employees, but I'm always reminded when they flip-flop depending on the boardroom, depending on who they're speaking to or depending yeah. on the circumstance, they will quickly bail yes. out of that ship to go and, and stand behind the business. And so just as, you know, as you're saying these different things, I've heard yeah. all of, part of yeah. the conversation. Yeah, and I... I just got tired of it. I got, t- and now don't get me wrong. There are a lot of HR professionals out there who are terrible at what they do and should be somewhere else, mm-hmm. but not in HR. But there are a lot of great people, amazing people that are in HR that are not, that have been painted with this brush that just taints their interaction with the organization that they are in. 
And because leaders have this particular perception about HR and employees on the ground have this particular perception about HR, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. And it's almost like... It's unfair, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Organizations that are led by uh, leaders who are not very good leaders mm-hmm. use HR as a shield. Yes. So HR are the last to know anything, but exactly. they are the face. Exactly. No respect for HR, nothing. And I just got to a point where it was a culmination of all that stuff, then stuff that was happening in the organization that I was in that just said to me, you know what, I'm done. And I said, but I'm going to voice this. Like, I'm not going to let what happened to me when I was pregnant with my son and at the age of 23 happen to anybody else if I can prevent that. And I said, I'm going to write this book. And I wrote, I started to write Confessions of an HR Pro, Stories of Defeat and Triumph. And the other thing that helped me to write this book was, you're not going to believe this, (laughs) Paul Branson. Man, you're calling some of my favorite people, man. So I was watching a LinkedIn live that Paul did one day where he gave these 50 different ways that you could gain passive income. And he wrote a... Yes. The same LinkedIn live. Yes. And he said in that, if you ever wanted to write a book and you didn't think like you could write the entire book, Why don't you crowdsource your book? Get a bunch of other people to come in and share their stories or their experiences in the book. And I went, thank you, Paul. Here we go. That that was it. I rounded up a couple of my HR colleagues and said, look, this is what I want to do. I want to write this book. This is what the book is called. This is what I want to do. Do you want to share your story in this book? And they all said yes. Were you shocked? Were you shocked? Because sometimes collaboration is not necessarily on, you know, the, the top of our list, especially when it's not mm-hmm. something that people speak about. Like, how many times have we heard authors speak? I mean, we might see co-authors, you yeah. know, you you know, two you know, highly recognized persons write a book together and you go, yeah, they're celebrities, fine, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But generally, people coming together, it's not something that we see regularly. So were you scared to even approach these people for fear they might reject you, for example? No. And I'll tell you why. Wow. I what's, the, be- what's the saying that goes, show me your friends. Show me your company and I will tell you who you are. Thank you. My drop. So you were strategic. You were intentional. You were always fostering um, quality, you know, yes. relationships that um that are just beneficial and, and, and really full of very, a lot of value so when they when you went to them when you approached them the answer was the answer yes. was yes the answer was yes but 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 then julie let me ask you a question when you decided to write this book did you start the entrepreneurship part because remember you're doing a lot of overlaps now you know mm-hmm. you wrote this you said this is what i want to do we're not going to overlook the fact that we were now in a pandemic yes yes and yes. Everyone was disrupted. Life was just not what it used to be. No. Um, play, people lost their jobs. Yeah. You know, people were furloughed. Yeah. Businesses that we've seen as legacy businesses over the years closed oh. down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Julie Turney is like, anyways, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to go into the next gear. <laughs> so you have this book, but I know that at the same time, you were, you had on your list entrepreneurship. Yeah. So December 2019, as I said, I started my podcast, HR Sound Off. January 2020, I registered my company. And I not only registered my company, HR at Heart, but I I incorporated it. So it's a business. And I also decided to keep me accountable for this journey. I'm going to get a board. And so I have a board of directors which includes my 16-year-old daughter because she has to understand business, right? Talk to me. I'll repeat that, no man. Talk to me again, no. Talk to me again. What did you do? Who is a part of your board? My daughter. Just- my 16-year-old daughter is on my board of directors. She has to understand my business, what I do, how I do it, how it works, every, the intricacies of it, every piece from 
creating my website to my logo. She has been involved in everything. In fact, my logo is all designed by her, between her and my uncle. So I have an uncle who lives in the UK who's also on my board, um, who is a graphic designer. And between the two of them, they design my logo. It will never change unless they decide they want to change it. Wow. Let me tell you why um, I completely respect this. I mean, I'm, I mean, I've completely, I probably changed the entire format of your, your, your age. Sorry. You know, um, but you know, I completely respect that. I think it's because even, I'm not just going to look at it from the, from the standpoint of, of, of Islanders or the region. I'm going to look at it, you know, globally mm-hmm. and think about generational wealth. Whenever yeah. we've spoken about legacy, generally speaking, you know, a lot of us, I can speak about us as Jamaicans, you know, there's, when we look at the Syrians, the Arabs, the Indians, the Chinese, yes. you know, came to Jamaica and I'm sure to the different islands and they mm-hmm. were just always saw the family working in the shop. Yeah. And then of course they would break off and they'd give another shot. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the families were supporting and it was a part of their generational wealth. And yeah. whenever we spoke about our black, mm-hmm. you know, our, our own, there's always an issue where people, you know, either stealing from you or they bad mind you or, mm-hmm. you know, people are, are, are left out of the business and they're not mm-hmm. given, you know, the opportunity. And here it is, you are a shiny example of not just wanting to own, you know, your business and to own um, your consultancy and to own who you are, but then to share that legacy in a very real and practical and a hands-on way with your daughter is priceless. Yeah, thank you. And I, I, I had to be. Thank yes, thank you. Like I say to everyone, this journey that I'm on is a completely different journey than I was on when I was in my twenties, first dabbling with entrepreneurship. Like I've seen so much in this space to know that legacy is important, and I think again, I got that from my parents. So you're talking to me about your entrepreneurship, the fact that you have your 16-year-old daughter who is mm-hmm. part of your board and they are integral in, 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 this, in this, new, this new step that yeah. you're taking, right? Yeah. And what comes first? Well, as well, no, you did say you registered the business in, yeah. in January. And then the book idea started when? So the book idea started mid-2020. And it was always my plan to release the book in June of 20. Actually, I wanted to release it in March, but then we ended up on lockdown in January again. And I decided to tweak a couple things. And yeah, so then June was it. I was like, okay, it has to be out in June. And at, any, at any time at all, did you think, man, you're trying to do a lot in a, in a, in a, in a period where the entire world has been flipped on top of its head? You know, maybe maybe you should rethink this maybe this wasn't a good idea maybe you should push it into 2021 you know mm-hmm. the the top how did yeah. you stay on top of your goals and your dreams regardless of what was going on in the world mentor in my head gary vaynerchuk <laughs> wow gary vaynerchuk um did an instagram well i don't know if it was an instagram i think it was a talk but he just put it on his instagram which was like you know, if people tell you that you can't, that you're trying to do too much, you know, forget them. <laughs> Basically, like, but you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he did not use that word, right? But essentially, he was saying, you know, sometimes there are people who will try to hold you back from doing things because they'll say you're doing too much and there's no way you could be successful at all of it. And he was saying, if your mind says do it, do it. And if you fail, so what? At least you tried. And that was the story that has always played in my head down to this day. Like, I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm just going to have a plan. And I use a Kanban board. I use Trello. And all of my projects are listed in Trello. I have great people who support me and help me with these things. So it's not like I do it all alone. Um, Sometimes I have friends who go, look, you're not even using me. That's how bad it is. Like I have friends who will say, look, Julie, if you need any help or you need any support with X, Y, Z, just tell me. Just like before we started this recording, I had another friend who messaged me just now. I was like, don't forget to add me to your Trello board for the book launch. I really want to help you. That's beautiful. That's how it goes. Like I just, I have a dream. I speak my dream, not to everyone, but I speak my dream. 
I speak my dream and I'm intentional about it. And I speak to people who I think would not only be able to help me because it's not just about me helping about them helping me, but I speak to people that I know I can help and I can add value to along the way. And that's how I speak things. And I speak it into being, and then I just get it done. But anytime I feel like, okay, oh my gosh, no, today I really need to take a break. I take a break. Yeah. I, I stay in bed all day. Sometimes, sometimes people ask me like, do you sleep? Yes, I sleep. My children will tell you I lie that I don't sleep, but I sleep. <laughs> if my daughter was standing here right now or my son they'd be like no she don't she lie she lie sometimes they have to come honestly I lose track of time because I'm doing what I love so sometimes yeah. I might come in here at eight o'clock and yeah start to work on something and then I don't even realize it's two o'clock in the morning and my daughter would get up and she'd be like no come and she'll hold my hand and she'll take me to bed and Fridays are now my wellness day and just happened nice. that my daughter is home. So Fridays, I don't work at all. I think it's fulfilling. I think, I think really this is what life should be, where you find what you not just love, but that you're good at, that mm-hmm. you can actually have in the space, um, that your, your close ones, your friends and your family, persons who you consider to be close, support you and are a part of your journey and they pour into you and they support you. Yeah. And then to also be able to have, uh, your freedom that you can say on a Friday, I'm going to do this with my daughter, or I'm going to mm-hmm. do this with my husband. I think really and truly mm-hmm. that is what freedom really looks like. Yes. Sounds yeah. like. Mm-hmm. You know, I when you were talking about your book and you said, you know, well, I, I, we, and we can't speak to the process of many of the authors in the world, but you said, for example, sometimes you would start with one chapter in the back, yeah. then one in the front, then you uh-huh. come to one in the center, uh-huh. you know, process like figuring out what worked for you yeah I I wrote an outline of all of the chapters so I thought like about all the things that I wanted to talk about and I wrote an outline of all of the chapters so that went on this board over here that you can't see um so I I posted notes and I wrote them down each chapter and I just came in on any particular morning and looked at the board I actually made notes in my calendar for writing days And I would plot out like, okay, the first three hours of my day are going to be writing or the last three hours of my day are going to be writing. And I would stick to that. What I wrote was based on when I look at the post-it note and I go, okay, so today I'm going to tackle recruitment. And tomorrow I'm going to tackle, I come in the next day and I go, okay, I'm going to tackle D&I. I still haven't touched leadership, which is chapter one, (laughs) you know, um, And that's how I wrote. And then on other days, like I'd look at the board and I decide, okay, I'm not going to work from home today. I'm going to go to a cafe and write. And I would have in my, I'd look at the post-it note and go, okay, so I'm going to write about this today. And I go to a cafe, buy some, buy a latte or two and just type and just write, you know, and that's, that's how I did it. So no particular structure. And again, I learned that from Lovey. Because that was um, something that she mentioned in one of her lives about her, her second book, Professional Troublemaker, which is right behind me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I learned a lot from her in terms of, you know, writing your book. You don't have to write every chapter as it is in the order of the book. You just write according to how you feel on any given day. You, how long did it take for you to write and publish? And you self-published. You did. You self-edited. I self-published. I mean, you still had persons who helped you. Yeah. But you still the lead. Like, you still had to ensure that the content that was coming in aligned with what you wanted your book to be about. Yeah. So, you self-edited. You self-published. Yeah. You self-market, self-promote. Like, girl! Yeah. <laughs> are yeah. you like, are there others of you like like you, but we just only see one, but there are more elves working for you? <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's hard. It's hard work, but I just knew it had to be done. So, like, um, in terms of designing my book, I think I've said this before. Like, I learned a lot from watching YouTube videos, Instagram videos, TikTok because I made a decision that I was going to write and publish this book on a low to no budget 
because I wanted to understand the process to have better respect for the people that I will employ going forward. Yes. Because it's very easy to say, oh, it only takes like, it should only take you like an hour to, to, to create my cover lie. It should only take you like a day to edit my book lie. You know, it should only take you like a day to, you know, put some um, artwork together for, you know, social media posts, lie. It takes a lot of work. And I have a deeper respect for the people who do those things now than I would have had I just wrote the book and paid people to do it up front and probably Mm -hmm. sat in my own frustration and ignorance of you know, you hire these people and they they don't know what they're doing. Like now I know who to look for, what to look for, you know, the kind of conversations I want. I know who I'm looking for when I go forward with any other project like this. Um, It's interesting because Paul Brunson said the same thing. He said, you know, he works on his strengths and where where his weaknesses are, he outsources it. He gets the right that what he said even in getting the right people to manage your product yes. at the end of the day you still need to know um the basic of yeah. each area department mm-hmm. that that belongs to you that is tied to you and i think yeah. they are amazing and where can we get your book for persons who may not have know may not have thought about the book yeah the confessions day. of an hr pro stories of defeat and triumph is available on amazon in paperback and Kindle version. And I also want to add that the paperback version and the Kindle version are two different things. So the formatting of the Kindle version, I did myself again, and it is separate and distinct to the formatting for the paperback. Is there a reason for that? Yeah, it's based on the requirements that Kindle sets. So like when you're, when you're writing the book, um, when you upload it to Kindle aid to Amazon KDP as a paperback, you upload it as a PDF. When you upload the Kindle version, you upload it as a Word document, which means it takes in all the formatting. So all the formatting, like all the extra spacing and all those things that you would have done in the in the original version. It's not going to pick it up, but in the Kindle version, it will. So it'll pick up like extra spaces, dashes. It'll move stuff off the page. It won't pick up your graphics and all those kind of things unless you format it properly. And then also in terms of your table of contents and how you create that so that when you press it on the Kindle version, it takes you straight to the chapter. That's a whole different kind of formatting. But Julie, you sound like, you sound like not only do you have like, you know, your HR book, two, three, four coming up, but it sounds like you can now write a book about how to write. How oh, to- look. <laughs> I think that would be like a video vlog. Like I would use that for TikTok. <laughs> Maybe those 60 second videos are super useful. No, I could, I mean, I could talk to you for, I mean, look at, look at Julie. Julie's like, Terry, you know, I told you that my podcast usually lasts for, you know, between 30 and 53 minutes. This, we, talk, we spoke about the fact that you just launched your book and we're very excited about it. Now for HR professionals or HR aspirants who are listening to your podcast, um, they're definitely going to buy your book because mm. they know it's going to. Are there any other books that you, that helped you maybe that you think uh, they should give a, a read to? Absolutely. So I think anyone, anyone who has not read I Am Judging You, the Do Better Manual and the Professional Troublemaker by Lovey Ajay Jones, you are missing some great stuff. You need to read that book. I am in the process now of reading um, Fierce Conversations, which was recommended. So every time I have a guest on my podcast, I always ask that question, what are you reading, watching, listening to right now that you think other people will benefit from? And I always turn around and buy the books that they recommend. So 60 episodes in, and if someone's recommended three books, how many books do I have? (laughs) While you are also writing your own book. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So Fierce Conversations. Fierce Conversations. Um, This is a really great book. Um, I'm reading this one right now and then I'm also reading okay so this one's a little different I'm reading about 
the neuroscience of coaching, which is just to help me understand the happiness chemicals and the words that I use in my coaching sessions to help my clients um, release the happy chemicals in their brains. So your serotonin, your oxytocin, um, releasing those chemicals and the words that I need to use to help my clients reverse any bad, sad, unhappy chemicals that they're experiencing at that period of time. And so I'm reading the neuroscience of coaching. It's a deep dive and I can appreciate yes. it. Now, what are you listening to? And I, I find it, I, and I know you must be listening to something because a part of your book or what I should say that is integrated throughout your book is we are accustomed to seeing famous quotes, right? You yes. know, ten, bring inspiration, mm-hmm. you know, different persons who, you know, said some amazing quotes and mm-hmm. you did this thing but it had a different twist to it. You yes. use quotes from songs. Yes. And I mean, I myself singing the song. Uh-huh. So one, tell me about the love affair that you have with music, that it's actually a part of your book uh, format. Mm-hmm. What are you listening to? So my love of music comes from my dad. My dad was a DJ in another life. Besides being a bus driver, he was a DJ. And my dad always was playing with music systems at home. So our house was always full of music every Sunday. And um, so that's where my love of music comes from. And right now, um, actually, just before we started this, I was listening to my Charlie Wilson playlist. I love Charlie Wilson. Oh. I am a huge Lauren Hill. Charlie Wilson. Uh-huh. Lauren Hill. I am absolutely in love with pj morton and i listen to pj morton especially in my most anxious moments so if there's something that you may never know about me that i will share right now i don't like driving at night and i don't like driving in the rain and if i have to do any of those two things i listen to pj morton oh wow i never would have i would i never would have known that so he helps you I'm only playing PJ Morhan if I'm driving at night or I'm driving in the rain. I play PJ Morhan if I'm traveling and I am using public transportation and I'm familiarizing myself with a new route. I listen to Gumbo. Gumbo, Gumbo is my go-to. All right, I'm making notes. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely. My last question to you. I mean, I could talk to you forever. Uh, My last question. Your love, your passion, and again, even your coaching really is to help um, help HR professionals to find their HR voice and to amplify their voice. And again, to, to use the platform and the influence that they mm-hmm. have to truly create positive impact where they can totally be beneficial to the organization, mm-hmm. but to the employee well what's the one misconception about hr that bothers you so we know that there's a positive yeah we know that negative. we know that there's a balanced conversation and mm-hmm. of course it all has to do with the circumstances and we know that employees are not necessarily the most perfect people either yeah but one misconception about hr that bothers you the most that you'd like to you know put on the record and, and yeah. make it okay So I thought about this a lot and I realized when I put my people on the spot, but for me, it would be that HR is not the cleanup crew. So don't think of us as the people that you only call after the proverbial mess has hit the fan. We should be involved from the beginning. And a lot of times I get this, I get it from me. I've I've experienced it, but I also hear it in my clients' stories and my friends' stories in HR, where something has happened in the organization. And at some point, somebody had the decency to say, well, maybe we should bring HR, we should loop HR in on this. And someone at the table goes, no, 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 no. We don't need to bring in HR right now. We could, we could do this. We don't need HR. They're just going to tell us, no, it can't be done. They can come with some negative something to tell us we can't, we can't, why we can't do this. Don't, we don't need HR right now. When they go and they do whatever it is they want to do, say whatever it is they want to say. And then the people start to revolt and riot. Then you want to call HR. And I say, no, sir, that Nagawa. <laughs> just remind you who you gonna call? Oh, <laughs> no, 
Toastmasters at the end of the day. Uh, Julie, it's such a pleasure. I, mean, I listen to you speaking and there's just so much parallel from, you know, being raised by, you know, your mom and your grandma to your love of Lauren, Lauren Hill and Charlie Wilson and just you being this amazing person whose friends supports her because they're also a reflection of the support you give them. You know, uh, thank you for being so transparent about your journey. I know that you're having lives on Instagram to, again, feed answers to persons who have questions, not just with HR, but who are, who are very curious about your whole process of writing a book. And you've always made yourself accessible. Yeah. So my last question, really, although I said that for the question above, yeah. is I'm sneaking yeah. on in, you know, it's, What's next and where can we find you? If someone is just coming to HR Sound Off for the very first time and this is their first interaction uh, with you, you know, where can they find you? Where can they become a part of your online community? And what's next for Julie Turney? So you can find me on, I live on LinkedIn. Like that's where my clients sit, right? That's where my people sit. That's where my HR community sits most of the time. So you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I post on LinkedIn almost every day uh, I'm posting something. Um, so you can, you can find me there. You can find me on Instagram. My handle is the same across every social media platform. Thank you, Cher Jones. Um, it is I am Julie Turney. I am Julie Turney. That's my handle. So whether it's Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, my handle is the same across all of them. And what's next for Julie Turney? Like I said, book two. Of... Because you, you shoot for the stars. Oh, yes. So I... book, book two of Confessions of an HR Pro, for sure. Um, and then I actually have another thing that I added to my list recently, which was I want to create a documentary on people first cultures in the Caribbean. I, I want to there are a lot of, there's so much that we need to do about understanding how, how and why we need to put people first. There are a lot of organizations that we hear about all the time that are doing that, but we're not really seeing um, the true picture or feeling the true picture, which is that a lot of organizations are not. And I want to change that perception. And the last thing that I'm working, that I'm drafting out right now is I want to create uh, an, an award system for HR professionals in the Caribbean. We don't have that. So I want to create a Caribbean HR awards. Um, I see, you see it all the time, like the top 50 HR professionals and it's always US based. We don't see it for the Caribbean and I am going to create that. That's, that's, I want to do that. Correct. And it's almost unfair when we yes. continue markets to compare ourselves when yes. we know we have a different language different culture, different kinds of barriers. Yes. Yes. And there's a lot going on and there are a lot of amazing HR professionals in the Caribbean, but you don't, I almost feel shame. Like when someone comes to me and they go, Julie, I'm looking for an HR professional to talk about this particular topic because they know what I speak about. And I don't, I, I stay in my lane. I slay in my lane. You know what I talk about. So when people come to me and they go, well, I'm looking for someone to talk about X, Y, Z. You have any HR professionals you can recommend? And I may have maybe like five or, but I can't count no more because, but I'm sure they're out there. I just don't know who they are. And I want I to create a space to magnify mm -hmm. Caribbean HR voices. And you know what? You are going to do it, Julie Turney. Oh my goodness, you are uh, HR, HR at heart, HR professional, uh, HR disruptor, author, entrepreneur, coach, consultant, singer, mother, wife. Listen, friend, congratulations. Um, it is such a privilege to have sat with you in the HR Sound of um, booth, you know, and to really have this conversation with you, you are, you are still untapped, unbelievably. Mm -hmm. All these talking about you will continue to make your progress. And, and yet still, I just know that there's so much more that is untapped and you're just going to keep on releasing and revealing. And, you mm -hmm. know, I, sh I speak to everyone who is listening that we just pray that God will continue to cover you, that he will send his angels to encamp around and about you, that your thoughts 
um, from your lips to God's ears, he will deliver and he will manifest and that the right people, the right opportunities will come straight to you that you will not even have to ask that you will not have to send an email, that you will not even have to make a call, but that they will all come to you in the time that you need it to be delivered. Thank you so very much for giving me the opportunity to have this conversation with you and to celebrate your 60th episode and to celebrate you launching your new book. Thank you for having me. I'm going to hand over the mic officially to you to allow you to close off this episode. I hope that you guys have enjoyed today's episode. It was indeed a pleasure and also a matter of a bit of discomfort to sit on the other side of the table, but an absolute honor <laughs> to have my friend, Terry Karat. Nobody believe that you were my friend. They're going to believe now. They're definitely going to believe now. And the moment that you asked to do this, it was a no-brainer. It was an absolute no-brainer for me and I'm extremely happy to have met you on LinkedIn yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from LinkedIn into just our real intimate space so thank you again thank you thank you for joining us in the sound booth today I hope that you found the information in this episode really useful you can follow HR Sound Off on all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and also be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks to Anchor FM for helping me put this information together for you and our sponsors, Hire Tool. And I will see you again when we next sound off.